If you will turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we are working our way through the context of verses 5 through 12, as we're nearing the end of this wonderful letter to the Corinthian church. So as I told everybody, let's see, 12, 16, 24, um, I plan on being done first week of August. So, I think that's pretty good. First time I've planned anything ever. <laughs> and so we'll see how well that works out. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll read verses 5 through 12, review a little bit, and then pick up verse 6. Father, help us. Help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Father, as this text exhorts us to be about your will, to be about your work, to be about it your way. And Father, as Paul penned this to a troubled church in Corinth that was struggling, Father, I just pray that we, even this day, some of us are struggling with our walk and as we just sing, following Jesus. And Father, I just ask that uh, the power of your Spirit will open our eyes to see. And Father, our souls will be overwhelmed with your presence, your purposes. And that, Father, that it would be you and you alone would take control. That we owe no other master. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of this high, great, exalted calling that brings glory and honor unto you. Help us, Lord, to hear. Help us to drink deep, to be overwhelmed to your glory. To your praise. Amen. Beginning in verse 5. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia. For I'm going through Macedonia. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter. So that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing. For I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service is open to me, and there are many adversaries. Now, if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work as I also am. So let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me, for I expect him with the brethren." But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brethren. And it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has opportunity. What we're looking at, and, and a lot of times we would take this text and we would just read it through and it'd be, I'm ending the text and see you, bye. Okay, and yet I looked at this text and I saw that it was sandwiched between the end there of verse 10 of chapter 16 and verse 58 of 14 or 15. All right. And both texts deal with doing the Lord's work. All right. You have been saved for reason. And part of that reason is to do the Lord's work. And I will remind you each week for the next few weeks that what is the Lord's work? Because if that's what we're supposed to be about, then I probably ought to know what it is. And to know what the Lord's work is, all you have to do is go and see what the Lord did when he was here. (laughs) 
And that would be the Lord's work. And it basically falls into two categories. Evangelism, seeking that it is lost, and edifying, training them the things that I have taught you. It's, it's, not, that, it's not that difficult. All right? The problem with doing the Lord's work is that we want instant gratification. And I have to ask you a question. If you could do what the Lord Jesus Christ did, and yet after three years have them all flee from you, do you really think it's going to be easy for you? I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I did walk on water. Lake Dillon. Strolled out to an island, turned around, came back. You know what? The waves didn't suck me in or anything. Of course, they were all frozen, but that's a minor detail. All right? But you know what? I didn't sway anybody into the kingdom by walking out to that island and back. And there's times that I think that you and I think that, well, I shared the gospel and they rejected it. No, we sow seeds. That's what you and I are about. And then we are given the privilege over time in our faithfulness that we are allowed to actually make disciples. We're allowed to walk with people. And, and, and I watch people get into quote unquote discipling classes and all the rest of it. The truth of the matter is Jesus made disciples. They called them his disciples. What did he do? He lived with them. He walked with them. He taught with them. He used everyday occurrences and illustrated biblical truths and them occurrences. What should you be doing? The Lord's work, the Lord's way. All right. And so when you're thinking about this and you're thinking about doing the Lord's work, most of us have grandiose plans. Okay. I'm going to what? I'm going to lay a foundation of a, of a church in where? Okay, is that the Lord's work? They said he was a carpenter. All right, but I never hear him building houses for Jesus or God the Father. What did he do? He taught as no man taught. All right, and there's times that I think that we get into some kind of uh, feel-good mentality where we're going to try to reach people, and yet Jesus himself says, the, law, the, the poor you'll have with you Always. And you know what? He's right. He was absolutely right. And yet our responsibility is to reach that that is lost and then strengthen those that have been reached. That's our responsibility. Okay? If, therefore, we're going to do the Lord's work the Lord's way, we see there in verse 5, I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I'm going to go through Macedonia. All right, so Paul had a plan. Paul had a passion. He had a vision. He knew what he wanted to get done. He's already discussed it in the collection text in the first six verses, the first five verses. He says, you know what? I'm going to take up a collection. Why? I'm going through all the churches of the Gentiles, and I'm taking up a collection for the saints in Jerusalem. So he's headed for Jerusalem. Okay, he's writing this letter from Ephesus, but he says, you know what? The door for ministry, effective ministry, is open in Ephesus, and I ain't leaving here until that's done. And I'll deal with that in a few weeks. Okay, but if you're going to do the Lord's work, you will have a passion, you will have a heart, you will have a vision that this is what I'm doing for the Lord, and it will fall into two categories. One will be 
Evangelism, one will be edification. I will give you an idea how this works because this plays into this. When I came to salvation, it dawned on me after some horrific things in my life that the great commission that the church had been called to, the church was clueless on what it was. Okay, I I came to salvation in a a very conservative church, but it basically had an altar call and everybody's going to get saved and we're going to keep getting saved and all were saved. And, you know, and I talked to a guy got baptized three times because he didn't think the first two took. And I was saying, well, I, you know, and then I was working with him on a job and I said, I don't think the third one took. But anyway, (laughs) well, it just didn't seem that way to me. He was a crook. But, (laughs) and I'm, I'm thinking that the two shall not pass. But, <clears throat> the, 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 what the Great Commission is, is to make disciples, learners. And I realized that the church wasn't doing this. And that was the first stone that God gave me in my, if you want to call it my vision, because my passion all of a sudden moved from, you know, what is the Bible and, you know, what is church and should I sing in the choir or should I do this to we need to be making disciples. Paul told the church in Philippi, hey, the things you've learned, the things you've heard, the things you've received, the things you've seen in me, do those things. Now you think about that for a second. Are you willing to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, these people behind me are doing what I did. They are teaching what I taught and they received what I heard. Because that's what you're going to be judged on. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, you will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what you've done in the body, whether good or Bad. There are a whole bunch of people that I believe are truly Christians that are busy for Jesus, except they're not doing the Lord's work. And I know in many cases, they are definitely not doing it the Lord's way. Okay? But I had this passion to make disciples. And as it grew, as I was taught... As I learned, as I walked in what I was taught in, all of a sudden our pastor left. Okay, and I got hung out to dry. All right, the next thing I know, I'm teaching. All right, and as that morphed and it started going through all of this thing, I started having a passion, and and please understand that I am not sexist. All right. But I had an overwhelming passion to pour my life into men. That men would do what I'm doing. And the more, the merrier. All right. And I even had in my mind, I laid out a curriculum that I called the Timothy school because Paul was taking young Timothy and teaching him everything he knew because he knew at some point he was going to step out of it and then Timothy had to take over and he didn't want the chain to be broke. So I even laid out a curriculum for that on, on this is how I can do this and I can show them how to use the treasury of scripture knowledge, how they can learn to exegete a text, how they can learn to use the Greek word processing and all that stuff that's on computers or in little Greek dictionaries and how we can all the way get this. And then it all of a sudden dawned on me there were no men around. So there I stood. 
And I kept thinking, well, why do I get all of this to do? I've got it all laid out, and all I've got is crickets. That's that joke, you know, crickets, crickets. Anyway, you know why? He says, I'm going to give you the cream of the crop in Russia, and you teach them. And I was like, whoa, far out. 35 guys. Most of them are bivocational. Um, most of them are not going to have a chance to go to a college. A couple of them have been to a Christian college or and or a seminary. And I have had the opportunity six times now to pour my life into them and deal with those heads up stuff that comes down the pike as a pastor. But see, that wasn't my plan. Okay, my plan was to invest in the men, in the fellowship, and in my community and show them the power of the Word of God to literally change the soul of a human right before your eyes. Okay? Which brings me, verse 6, perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that I may, that you may send me on my way Wherever I may go. If you look there at the end of verse 7, he says, If the Lord permits. Okay? Doing the Lord's work, the Lord's way, you have the vision, but you better be flexible. Okay? Better be flexible. Um, the future may not come together like you thought it would. When I came to salvation and started growing in my understanding, my, my first thought was, well, what I will do is I will start being involved with youth and I'll teach them mountain climbing and, and we'll go do some whitewater rafting stuff and we can go skiing and snowshoeing and all this other stuff. Maybe we can get these little hunting trips together and we can go do that. Never did. Well, that's not true. I took some to them off Castle Rock on a rope backwards. But anyway, they call that rappelling. But, uh, you know, but other than that, it never did come to be. But through that whole process, I was growing. Okay? And see, there's times that you think, well, I have to be at a certain point where I can... Never happen. You'll never get to the point. Okay? You know, that's what I tell people now. If I knew... If what I know now, had I known before they made me an elder, I would have refused. Okay, but that ain't the path. The path is what God says. And then he says, you will be flexible as I plan on it. Okay, listen, I know many people right now. Okay, maybe even some in this room who will sit there and to themselves, they'll say, well, you know, I have the gift of a. And I have a little bit of the gift of B. And I've got a few of these talents like of C. Therefore, this is what I should be doing. But that door isn't open. And I'm not going to do anything until that calling shows up. Okay, you know what you will do? Nothing. And that calling will never show up. Okay, and let me tell you something, just in case you were wondering, that is a bad place to be. Okay, if you get yourself all convinced in your own mind that this 
and you will do this thing or you will do that thing, you've just eliminated one of the very great elements of Christian service. If you're going to do the Lord's work, the Lord's way, it demands flexibility. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here. If the Lord permits, he says, I'm coming to you after Macedonia, if the Lord's permit. Maybe I'm coming to you after Macedonia. Um, Lenski put it this way, and I thought this was a cool phrase. Gloriously unsettled attitude. <laughs> Unquote. <laughs> I'll let you guys ponder that for a while because I had to resolve a gloriously unsettled attitude. Hmm. Okay. Okay. See, Paul looked at what he was doing. Paul looked at ministry. Okay. As an adventure. Okay. And the truth of the matter is, if you ever really plug in, you will learn this lesson. <laughs> it may not be as adventurous as you think it is, but it will be an adventure. Okay. See, Paul is saying, I, I think I'm coming. I think, I, I think I may stay the winter because he didn't want to do it just passing. That's what he says in verse seven. Okay. But it's when I'm done, I might go somewhere else. I'm not sure. I may go somewhere else after the winter. Maybe not. If the Lord permits, I have all these wonderful plans. Paul is telling you and I. But there is this one caveat in all of my great spiritual plans. Don't be too firm with them. Don't be too firm with them. God may change you in midstream. I had never, ever, ever, ever planned on being a preacher that don't fit me that is not my personality i am very uncomfortable standing up and speaking in front of people now if you want to sit down and have a cup of coffee over a table yeah i have no problem with that now people will say well you seem to be you know what i'm scared to death okay the palms of my hands after 17 years still sweat okay it's the lights <laughs> <laughs> okay. But he may change your plans midstream. And it may be a radical change. Now, let me show you something about this because I just showed you this text, right? If you go over just one page in my Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, or chapter 1, sorry, verse 15, it says this In this confidence, I intend at first to come to you. Where's he going first? Mm -hmm. So that you might twice receive a blessing. That is to pass your way into Macedonia and again from Macedonia to come back to you and that you might help me on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to, to do it this, was I? Or what purpose do I suppose according to the flesh so that with me there will be yes and yes and no at the same time? All right. What happened is the church in Corinth was accusing the apostle Paul of being fickled. 
He said he was coming back to us, but now all of a sudden he's going to Macedonia. Why is he going to Macedonia first when he said, you know, he said his yes is a yes and a no is a no. And he said he was coming to us first. But he lays it out there and says, my plans changed. I purposed in my heart to come to you first. But if you look at it, there's a riot in Ephesus and he flees for his life. But see, he doesn't explain that to him. But see, his plan is still the same. I'm doing the best I can with what I have. All right. I make my plans. It's, it's, if you want to make, if you want to, you know, I've had people say, do you think God has a sense of humor? And I said, absolutely. And they said, well, why do you think he has absolutely? I said, if you don't think God doesn't have a sense of humor, go get you a day planner. Because that'll make him laugh. Oh, he's making plans. Perfect. Watch this. Okay, here's the thing with what you have, what you plan, okay, be ready to change. Okay, and you may be be ready to change your mind. See, that is the adventure of ministry. I had all of these, I I grew up um, in a a sort of a, 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 what do you call it, A, a checkered past. And I thought for sure that my ministry would be with people on drugs and bikers and in that framework. I was positive that is exactly where he was going to put me. Why? Look at my life. You know, I can relate to these people. I can walk with these people. I can show them the regenerate life. This is a piece of cake. I can see that. You know what God did? He put me in with the legalist. I would prefer the bikers. Okay, he started putting me in with pastors and counselors and teachers and these fuddy-duddies who had no idea what life is. They they sat around in their ivory towers contemplating Greek prepositions. And I kept thinking, well, what good does that do the average person who's being beat ragged by the world? Okay, and that's where he put me. And I thought, well, that ain't funny. I know he has a sense of humor, but I didn't think that one was. I guess you had to have been there to get that joke. Okay, but here's that's the adventure of ministry. That is amazing to me. I I am the senior Southern Baptist preacher in Colorado. That's insane. I don't understand that. You just sit there and go, what? That's the adventure. Sometimes I'll say, you know, I would like to do this. Eh, maybe not. Now, this drives my wife crazy. Uh, drives my secretary crazy. Because they're very planning-oriented people. Uh... I ain't, but I can tell both of you today that you need to repent because it's obvious that I am more flexible than you. (laughs) I know you're not supposed to beat people up from the pulpit. What? (laughs) Sometimes we have plans. This is what I want to do. But you know what? That is the adventure. The adventure is, is gone if 
all I have to do is say it's all in stone. Why? It goes back to the, if the Lord permits. Okay, is this really what he wants to do? We all seek the face of God. We all seek his will. We all seek his purposes. But then you ask yourself a simple question. Are you ready when he gives it to you? Because it may not be yours. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what that means? He doesn't have a committee. He says, this is what we're doing. Listen, the Apostle Paul learned this. And I want to show this to you because this is really kind of cool. This is actually very cool. If you go to Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, and begin there in verse 6. Remember, they had been in Antioch, Syria. Okay, and they had a group of pastors who were teaching pastors how to be pastors. What? Okay. Play the tape back slower and you'll get it. But anyway, uh, but that's what they were doing. Uh, That is the passion of the Apostle Paul, teaching teachers to teach. I think I said that right. But anyway, okay, that's what he was doing. That was his passion. All right. And so God in the person of the Holy Spirit speaks to all these pastors who are pastoring pastors. All right. And says, set aside for me, Barnabas and Paul. I have work for them. So they take off. Hallelujah. We're in unison. We all prayed. We all fasted. We all agreed that Paul and Barnabas need to be out and they're going to be knocking them dead. Here's what happens. They pass through Phygeria, through Galatia region. Having been, did you read that? Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Okay, they're in Asia Minor, Turkey. And they're trying to work their way way over to get the Chinese saved. And it says here that the Holy Spirit stopped them. They had already been rattling Asia Minor for God. And they, they had this plan for the Lord. They had a strategy for the Lord. And they were going to reach out globally. And it says the Holy Spirit stopped them. Now listen, I don't know how the Holy Spirit stopped him, but he did. Okay? Read on. Look what it says. After they had come to Mysia, uh, Mysa, and they were trying to go to Bithynia, the Spirit of Jesus, what? Did not permit him. Huh. Okay, now passing by Mysa, they came down to Troas. Okay? In Troas, what happens? A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him saying, come to Macedonia and help us. Okay? Verse 10, when he had seen the vision, immediately, what? They sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay? They knew that they were supposed to what? Preach the gospel. And they were banging on every door that they could find to preach the gospel. And they were reaching Asia Minor. They were trying to take it east. And if you really look at a map on it, you'll see they were trying to take it east. They were trying to take it north. They were trying to take it to the south. And God kept saying, no. 
So, but the thing is, they never stopped moving. They continued moving to see, Lord, you took us out of Antioch, Syria. It's obvious you haven't led us back there to get like our doctorates in theology. Okay, so where do you want us to go? In Troas, he has a vision. Where? Take it to Europe. Take it to Europe. Okay, so they needed to, they just needed to continue to go and yet they were flexible to keep moving to where the door was and sometimes they couldn't even find the door, but they kept moving. It's kind of like a car. You ever try to steer a car that ain't moving? That's a very unpleasant thing. Okay, but if you've got the car moving... It's quite easy to steer. All right? But I see people stand around saying, well, I'm waiting for my calling. You already got one. But if you ain't faithful where you're at, do you really think you're going to go someplace? And you know what? It may not be exactly the ideal circumstance you think that you're due. But the truth of the matter is, if you ain't faithful with one soul entrusted to you, don't ever expect two. They kept walking, they ended up in Troas. See, they had their plans. And if you're truly honest, if you're looking at it, you know, God has sent me and Barnabas and our little entourage apart, and everywhere we've tried to go, the Holy Spirit has stopped us. So why did you set us apart? I can tell you why. God says, yeah, you're my man. You're taking the gospel to the Gentiles. But know this, Paul. You will be flexible. Okay? And, and I, I think he learned that. And therefore, when he gets this, these two letters to the Corinthians, he's saying, you know what? If the Lord permits, I'm going to come to you after Macedonia. Because I do want to spend some time with you. Have any of you guys ever heard of uh, David Livingston? You, you, you've heard the Dr. Livingston, I presume. Okay, uh, he wasn't a doctor, a PhD doctor. He was a missionary. Um, did you know that David Livingston had an over-consuming desire, and that he never ever put to rest? You know what it was? His single greatest passion. Okay. He writes about this. A lot of the people who wrote of him said that he had this passion. Okay. And it never, ever went away. He was consumed with this. And it had to do with him being a minister, a a missionary. You know why? He wanted to be a missionary to China. Okay, do you understand with that overwhelming passion, he was disappointed all of his life because he never, ever got there. God seen that passion, he trained him, he grew him and he used him and launched his butt right in the middle of Africa and never got him out of it. 
That's an interesting thought. I'm overwhelmed to be a Chinese missionary. You know how effective that is in the Congo? You know, it's like William Carey did for India. Livingston did for Africa. Every missionary in India has to give thanks to what William Carey did. He had a passion as that shoe cobbler and he had that map on his wall and all day long, eight hours, nine hours a day, fixing shoes. I'm going to reach India for Jesus Christ. And he did. And every missionary who's ever moved into India, guess what? Owes their thanks to William Carey. You know what? Every missionary who's ever wandered into Africa owes their thanks to David Livingston, who wanted to be in China. They opened that door, and the door still exists in both countries today. That's flexible. See, when I told you what the vision was, you're always looking at what is going on here with the view to what needs to be done. And when you have that, then if you keep looking at this is what I'm doing now with the view of what needs to be done, then you know what that makes you? Busy doing the Lord's work, the Lord's way. And then if that vision gets beyond what you're thinking, guess what? You launch it. But, you know, I have people say, well, Terry, do you have Russian blood? I mean, you, you've done all this work in Russia. Nope. I don't. <laughs> Not a drop. <laughs> you don't have no. Nope. None. I've got Scottish and hillbilly with a side order of Indian. That would be Native American. Okay? And just don't make Russian out of that. <laughs> I don't care how you shake it up. Okay? I, I, I share that because there's times that you and I believe this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. And you know what? There's some of you in this room right now, you ain't got a vision, you're clueless. You're just standing here for Jesus. And I'm sure he needs you standing there for Jesus. But see, here's the problem. You're not even working here now. Why are you going to give me more? And if you ain't taking care of what's right beside you or right in front of you or behind you or wherever it is, you ain't getting more. Because what you will find is, is that one soul that you get to invest yourself in will train you for the bigger one. And if you don't learn that lesson, he's really cool because he'll let you take a lap and you can do it again. Okay, I mean, the, the Jews wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To learn a very valuable lesson. And there's some of us saying, I bet I can go farther than 40 years. I bet I can wander around here indefinitely. And I see Christians who are like that all the time. You know, they go down, I've taken a test to see what my spiritual gifts is, and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, and I'm waiting. For what? Listen, if Lord's work is evangelism and edification, look around. Everywhere you look, there's someone in your life who can be evangelized. And I bet you there's someone in your life who can be strengthened. If you're not faithful to that, guess what? It's one of the things that I see with these quote unquote missionary trips. Okay, listen, you know, I'm going to go to 
Mexico, or I'm going to go, I, don't, I need to go to Barbados, but I haven't got anybody sold on that yet. Uh, but Cancun would work. <laughs> anyway, scuba diving for Jesus, <laughs> trying to get the fish saved. Um, uh, but it's, I, I watch people and, and I look at them and they live just like the world. And then they take these spiritual vacation things. Uh, you know, I, I know a family, and God bless their hearts. You know, he, he wanted to go to Israel, wanted to go to Israel, wanted to go to Israel, wanted to go to Israel. He says, I just have a passion for Israel. And I asked him about it, and he says that he had gotten the money together, him and his whole family was going. And I said, well, I've got to ask you, what is the passion for Israel? He says, I want my whole family to be baptized in the Jordan. Oh, weren't they baptized here? Oh, yeah. But how cool would it be to be baptized in the Jordan? I don't know. I don't know how cool it is. They got some big old stinking carp in it, though. So I, you know, but I, I've seen carp in the Mississippi, um, and a few other odds. <laughs> I don't understand that. See, you completely missed it. That's completely missed it. That's it. I want to be baptized in the Jordan. Do you know they charge you to do that? Anyway. But then there's a little restaurant right there, and you can have a Peter fish. That's what they call them. It's a little fish that Peter supposedly caught, and you can go in and have one for dinner after your Jordan baptism. I, whatever. All right. Listen. Listen. One of the things I need you to think about, and I can guarantee this, it says that God will do abundant, exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever think or imagine. Okay? Now, we can sit here and say, I believe that text. But I'm going to ask you a simple question. Are you living that text? Alright? Because I believe that every one of you in this room, there's an area that you never dreamed possible that God is preparing you to serve in. I was thinking about a friend of Dr. MacArthur's. Um, this, the, the guy loved to confront rabbis. Uh, that was that was just he just took great joy in it, and he liked to take the Torah and show, show Messiah in the Torah, and, and he was extremely good at it. Okay, uh, very very sharp mind on the on Judaism. He he was amazing at it. But the only language that he knew was French other than American. So he figured that his calling was to reach the French Jews. So he was always preparing to go to France so that he could reach the French Jews. Okay? He ended up in Quebec. Speaking French to who? Canadian Jews. <laughs> Which is close. Okay? But you see what I'm trying to get at? But you know what? He, he took a, a great joy in that. Great joy in that. It's like me. My passion was discipleship. I wanted to pour myself into men. And God said, all right, we'll do it. Eleven time zones away. Oh, wait. That's not how I had it planned. He has thrown me a couple of times in these huge churches that he knows as soon as I see how many people can be seated in it, it scares me to death. He says, yeah, I know. Don't worry. They don't want to hear you anyway. Okay? And, and it's just stuff like that. I remember teaching, I was at First Baptist of Moscow, I think. It's, but it's, they do 
preaching in the round is what I call it. Okay, they kind of slide you out, and then there's people behind you and side and above you. They're all around you. It's like, oh no, Daniel in the lion's den. And I didn't know this, but but you preach, and and what they will do is that if they have questions, they'll take a little piece of paper and they pass it forward. Okay. Well, I was preaching out of the Book of Revelations. Now this thing's got two balconies in it. That are all around you. Okay? And so you're preaching, trying to... But then God blessed me because the lights on the pulpit were so bright, I couldn't see all the people. That's great for me. Because it looked like there was about 40 people. And I was like, I can handle this. But then a weird thing happened. As I was getting close to the end of my message, all of a sudden, these balconies, it started looking like snow. And it was all these pieces of paper being dropped on these two balconies down to the lower level. And then the lower level was passing it up. And you're sitting there going, it looks like the locust coming at you. All right. Now, why you got me in here doing that? Because I will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever think or imagine. I do so much better in Alexander's church, 27. Okay, and then, you know, you answer questions for about three hours after an hour and a half message. Uh, That's just right up my alley. But he's put me into some big places. Uh, They wanted me to share some stuff at Dr. MacArthur's church in California and I get up at the pulpit and I thought, oh my Lord, this is going to be so... My throat was so dry. There's not a term. I mean, it ain't got anything to do with spitting to put your hands out or they were on fire or anything. It was just like, (laughs) I feel like my body's imploding. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me that all I could see was the first two rows. I was like, cool. (laughs) And you don't think about it in your head that everybody out there is a pastor. What are you going to tell them? Be flexible. (laughs) Listen, here's what I want to try to get out of this vision and flexible heart. Okay? If you're going to do the Lord's work the Lord's way, there's one thing that He is looking for. Only one thing. A willing heart. A willing heart. That's it. I really wish it was more complicated than that. He wants a willing heart. Why? Because he'll prepare that heart. But if you're willing, then you already have his view of what needs to be done. Okay? And you will be flexible. Okay? See, that heart will have a vision. It'll have a plan. It'll have a strategy. But that heart will say, not my will, but yours be done. See, and in that flexibility, that's where the Holy Spirit can direct you and can move you and take you. He can stop you. So a servant of the Lord doing the Lord's work, the Lord's way, has a vision, but they're also flexible. 
are so flexible. Okay? Every one of you, this, this, I told you that this text is, 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 a, is a text on exhortation. It's gonna, this is one of those that are going to hold your feet to the fire. We got a ways to go yet, man. <laughs> I, I still got four more points. All right? This is one of those where the little hammer goes across the toes. All right? Because you will never get the view if you're not busy. And if you're not busy, then you're not flexible. That's the negative side. The positive side is, you know what? I see the view. This is what I need to get done. This is what I want to get accomplished. And yet I'm always looking around at the things that aren't getting done or aren't getting, being accomplished. All right? And yet even in those... I'll be flexible on wherever you need me to be, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And He will do it. Okay, now He may have to drag you through it or you can walk with Him through it. But He will do it. I can guarantee you that. You know, had I... I had no idea what I was getting into when I became just an elder in this church. I had no idea where I was going to go. Even when we started the Antioch Initiative, I had no intention whatsoever going to Russia. None. Had no desire to go to Russia. They talked funny and I can't even read their alphabet. Okay? And, and I had no desire. Well, you can fly into Moscow. That's just a big city. I mean, 35 million people. Why would I want to go be with 35 million people that I can't read their alphabet? Okay, I mean, you order off a menu, you have to... I need a menu with pictures. Okay, because I just want one of those. What is it? I don't know. Because I learned that a long time ago. Don't ask them what it is. If it looks good, eat it and keep your mouth shut. Because <laughs> they might tell you what it is. And then you go, oh my Lord. Anyway. I have never had an intention to do that. I told you what my intention was. Teach men to teach. That's it. It's not complicated. Now I got people saying, well, you should come to Punjab, India. What? Yeah, that's where the Taliban's reforming. Great. I bet I could walk in there and everybody would think I was Indian. <laughs> I could just blend right in. Well, what about Tiananmen Burma? Oh, military dictatorship. Perfect. I love military dictatorships. Some of my favorite people. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? But he will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you can think or imagine. But here's the key. If you're not focused here, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. It's that simple. He'll give you the vision. But you must be faithful. And if He gives you one soul, you have already received a privilege that is beyond the understanding of the human race. When you get the privilege of dealing with one soul and its eternal destiny, is there really any other occupation or form that you have that is better? What, what in this world can offer a more established calling, duty, task? 
Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, I thank you for my brother Paul. And, and even as I go through this, I understand that he learned as I've learned that I pray my brothers and sisters learn and walk in. Father, um, you have given us a view. You have showed us what is needed. You showed us what is lacking. And yet, Father, I pray that we will continue to be faithful at the task that is at hand. And yet, Father, be faithful to be uh, flexible as you move us and draw us to uh, different places to exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Help us, Lord, to be overwhelmed with your purpose, your will, your passion. In Christ's name, amen.